Hey fans, welcome to this week's edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Fool, the Director of Athletic Communications here at AIC. This week, I'm joined by football star CJ Ebesom, as well as head men's soccer coach Luke Perry. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Poole, and I'm first joined by football player CJ Ebesom. Thank you for joining me, CJ. Thank you for having me. So it's been a good season so far. You opened up the season against a good non-conference team in Bowie State. Can you talk a little bit about that game and how that got you all started for the rest of the season? Uh, well, it was, it was a really big uh, challenge for us. It was a big game. Uh, we knew Bowie State was coming in. They... They always, they're always at the top of their conference. Uh, they're always nationally ranked. So we felt like it was a good uh, stepping stone for our season. Mm -hmm. So you started off with them, ended up coming away with a loss 34-20, to 20, but a lot of positives to build on, had lots of takeaways from the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. What was it like to finally get back onto the field and hit other people that were not your teammates? Uh, that's, that's definitely a high point. Um, we come in in August, and that's, basically, that's really what we're – what we're we're training for, mm -hmm. um, just to just to get a, a good a good stepping stone. A good um, it's, it's, it was a good test mm -hmm. uh, to start our season off. So uh, then you followed that up uh, with the next week. You took on Bentley at home and you escaped with a twenty-eight twenty-three win. Mm -hmm. Bentley, who's the team who I had Art on a couple of weeks ago, and he said he actually voted them to win the conference. Yeah. Uh, so after the you guys beat them, or you guys beat them they went on and beat New Haven. Can you talk mm -hmm. about that Bentley game and how that was uh, interesting? They're a conference opponent, but it didn't count towards the conference schedule. Yeah, um, well, obviously, Bentley was picked high in the conference, so mm -hmm. we, we went into that game knowing that we want to put uh, we want to have a name for ourselves. Um, defensively, I feel like we, uh, we went out there to play hard, so we came out with a win. Yeah, so then you all followed that up with the loss at New Haven, obviously the team that's picked to win the conference. Yeah. But you were able to bounce right back and beat Southern Connecticut State at home, 19-13, in a very exciting game. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that game and how that all came together and how you were able to bounce back after that loss? Um, yeah, uh, well, obviously, uh, defensive-wise, I feel like we had a good game again. Mm -hmm. uh, goal line stand was definitely very exciting. And, uh, yeah, that it was just fun atmosphere. Fun atmosphere to play around. So, so with that that goal line stand, last, I mean, if they get in, they have the chance to win the yeah. game. What's it like going through your head, knowing that they are literally on the half yard line, and this one play can decide the game? What's going through that for you as a defensive player? Uh, well, it's basically just man up and and just get the stop. We have to get the win. Just. Mm -hmm. Let everything out. Just try to figure out yeah. how not to let that ball pass along that yeah. goal line. So you guys have upcoming this week Assumption College on Saturday at 11 a.m. So mm -hmm. it's a little earlier to kick off than normal, but yeah. it's something that obviously you guys can adjust to fairly well. Where are you expecting this week from Assumption without tipping your hand too much? Um, Assumption, they're, they're a big running team, so I expect them to, to try to run the ball a lot. Mm -hmm. um, they're a good disciplined team, so it's going to be a good challenge. But I think we, we definitely got it. Now, obviously, on the on your side of the ball, uh, mm -hmm. Is do you notice a big difference in yourself after games when you face a team that runs more, passes more? Like, are you do you find yourself a little bit more fatigued after games with a running offense more than a passing? 
Um, not really. It's it's, it's really the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really too much of a of a difference in fatigue. So then, what's the biggest difference from week to week from you as as a defensive player? Um, it's just different teams have different game plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, a lot of the teams in this conference do run the same thing. Mm-hmm. So similar offenses, but different personnel, different different things like that. Yeah, that personnel that can really shift and change yeah. how they use that and in what moments. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, and let's talk about you. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and uh, how you really got started playing football. Um, I started playing football at a young age. Um, started around third grade. Um, I live in New Jersey, uh, Union, New Jersey, mm-hmm. with my with my mom and my, my brother and my sister. Mm-hmm. So football is just a big part of my life from a young age. So when did you start playing football then? Uh, third grade. Third grade, yeah, so that young. Time. Yeah. So was it full tackle then, or was it more of like how they're transitioning to a flag football style? Uh, uh, there was <laughs> flag football, but the age I was at and the, the, the weight I was at, is I started tackling Okay, so you, I started. So – it was more of one of those safety concerns that we've seen um, a lot of people going back for. But you obviously dove right in, and then did, could you tell right away that you just had a special skill set and something that you wanted to pursue yeah, definitely. out past high school? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, at that age, I was I was kind of bigger than everybody else. Mm-hmm. I was taller and bigger than everybody else, so it's just, it came naturally. It was easy. So then you move on to high school eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about your four years of high school and how you ended up really choosing to come to AIC over other opportunities? Yeah. Uh, well, I went to Columbia High School. That's mm-hmm. in Maplewood, New Jersey. Uh, it's not really a, a football school, mm-hmm. uh, so we didn't have a lot of wins. But me personally, I always, always excelled and always did well. So uh, that's when colleges started coming in around my junior year, senior year. So – uh, out of high school, ended up going prep school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Fork Union Military Academy, so in Virginia, mm-hmm. and that's when more schools started coming, talking to me. So then, while you're in the prep school, who was it from AFC who really started recruiting you? Who saw you and reached out first? Uh, well, the first person was in high school. I got uh, Coach Colzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to my high school one time, and uh, and then Coach Wilkins came to my high school also. Um, out of prep school, uh, Coach Tierney yep. came down to Virginia and, and recruited me. Now, what made you choose AIC over other schools who were recruiting you? Uh, AIC was just, they were persistent. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like they were they were always in the loop. And they were always, they always calling and check on me and stuff like that. A lot of other schools, they, they kind of falter. They kind of uh, stop talking to me a lot. They have that initial conversation yeah. just to see what's going on and then they'll probably call me. out. Yeah, they'll probably call me like once a month or something like that. Coach Coles, he'll call me like every week, mm-hmm. every other day kind of kind of thing. So I just felt like it was just a, a tight-knit community. Mm-hmm. And also when I came on my visit, it just seemed like a, a really like, like I said, tight-knit community. Everybody knew each other. Everybody was, it was like a family here. So so then when you came on your visit, we also know that, uh, at least from my experience as a coach, is that when you come on a visit, you obviously want to partner up the recruit with a stu- current student athlete mm-hmm. who they relate well to. Was there someone who that they did a good job with that on, or was there someone who you just connected to right away who was already a member of the team? Uh, well, on my visit, uh, I met a lot of guys on the defense. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, my first year, it was, a, it was a great defense here, so I... I stayed with uh, Daquan Holmes, yep. uh, Gerard Shelby, 
Uh, I talked with Danny Omareggi, so they had a uh, they had a lot of guys around me. So then, when obviously playing with such a great defensive team like that, mm-hmm. what were you able to take from each one of those different players? Obviously, fantastic defensive players in their own right, but what were you able to take and sort of morph into who you are now and the defensive player you are? Very I see. Yeah. Uh. Well, Daquan Holmes, he was he was more like a a mental guy. Mm-hmm. So he he always knew what the offense was gonna run. His film study was was phenomenal. So that's I definitely took that from him. Uh, Gerard Shelby was the same way mm-hmm. with the mental aspect, but he also he also had that that extra gear. Like his pursuit, his his motor was different. Mm-hmm. And same with well, same with Danny. Danny was always going 110 percent, even in practice. So those guys always had an intensity to him that I that I probably take that from him. Yeah, and Danny, I mean. I think I saw Denny for one, maybe two years before mm-hmm. um, Earth Wall was here. But Denny was one of those guys where it seemed like no matter what play was happening, he was trying to find his way to that quarterback yeah. and at least get, get that pressure, which ended up helping those other two guys quite a bit. Definitely, definitely. Like, so they had a different motor to them. <laughs> yeah. So then how much do you value, I mean, if those players taught you the mental aspect and how important that was for them, how were you able to take that and really incorporate it to – to who you are and then really use that to share with your other teammates it's just learning that that film is just a big part of the game like Mm -hmm. once you once you know what the other team is doing the game just comes so much easier um just film study is it's just a big part of the game like they say mental the mental aspect of the game is is 90 percent of the game Mm -hmm. once you get that the physical part is easy now i'm always interested in this because i'm a huge defensive mind uh, in terms of, I love watching the, a really solid defense. Mm-hmm. Who's one player over your course, um, whether it be on your own team or another team that you faced, who has really stood out and made things difficult for you? On the offensive side? Yeah, on the offensive side. Um, I'll say this past year was probably, um, I'm forgetting his name, but <laughs> number 18 from Stonehill. Mm-hmm. His um, his route running and his his like just his aspect of playing is, is just so solid that it's definitely, definitely a game changer. Definitely gave some fits yeah. to you guys. De- and another player is probably um, Ajay Patterson. Mm-hmm. Oh, from New Haven? From New Haven, yeah. He was definitely a game changer. And Deontay Harris on the special team side, even as a receiver, he was just a game changer that, that well, you had to account for. And that's another player who you can look back. I mean, he's with the Saints right now. Yeah. And, uh, what was it, week one or two or something, he ran back a, a kick return. And that's, I mean, how's that feeling knowing that, Playing in the NE10, you're going up against still some of the best athletes yeah. in the country, and be able to see a player who you competed with now on the field on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoons. Uh, it just makes you feel like you could definitely do the same thing. So I, I feel that it, I I defended him. Mm-hmm. I had to tackle him a couple of times. So that means that if I could do it to him and he could score in the NFL field, that means I can I could definitely play at the next level also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where are you studying while you're here? Um, biochemistry. Biochemistry. So yes. that's not a degree you see most football players pursuing. Yeah. What really drew you to bi- biochemistry? Um, well, I was always a science guy, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to go into medicine after after college. Mm-hmm. So that was just my advisors. That was the best major to go into. So what aspect of medicine are you wanting to go into after hopefully uh, pursuing your, your professional dreams? I'm looking into uh, pediatrics. Okay. Yeah, so. Is there something that – are you the oldest? I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. Yeah. Because that's something that, at least from my experience in talking to people, 
the people who tend to go towards the pediatrics are tend to be the older siblings, mm-hmm. just because they have gotten used to looking out for those who are younger than them. So what drew you to pediatrics then? Well, uh, well, growing up, I always had like little cousins and mm-hmm. stuff like that around. So I was, I, I was still looking out for my younger cousins and stuff like that. So, so it's sort of that protection, yeah. that big brother mentality, just not directly by, by yeah. birth. Yes. So with that, are you, are you hoping to have like your own practice to get involved with other practices, or what's your long-term goal? Definitely to have my own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just something I always look forward to. Yeah. Well, as we wrap things up here, uh, the one question I ask every single person who comes on the show is what moment in life has impacted you the most? Um, the moment in life, probably just seeing my mom um, raise me, my brother, and my sister basically by herself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, it drives me every time I'm, I'm on the field just to, I can make it for her. You know what I'm saying? So that's just something that drives me every second, even in the classroom. It's just, it motivates me. Mm-hmm. So then how does that also turn into, you obviously said your motivation, which is fantastic, but at the same time, how does that make you want to be for other people off the field as well? Um, because obviously we know it's a big motivator and she got you to this point and that's mm-hmm. fantastic. And I applaud every single mother out there for doing that. Yeah. And, but how are you also going to use that off the field to help others um, succeed and give to others what she gave to you um definitely just to be that mentor to other people Mm -hmm. um i try to do that to the to the younger guys on the team just to guide them by example Mm -hmm. um yeah awesome well thank you for so much for joining us cj and uh good luck this weekend uh against assumption thank you We are pleased to recognize Discount Office Furniture as a proud partner of AIC Athletics. With complete office furniture solutions, Discount offers modern office furniture, desks, tables, family cabinets, chairs, and more. So next time you're considering upgrading your office furniture, think Discount Office Furniture. Be sure to visit Discount Office Furniture's website or showroom in West Springfield and mention AIC Athletics when you stop by. Welcome back. Our next guest is head men's soccer coach Luke Perry. Luke, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing, I'm doing well. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, another busy week we know for you. Can you talk a little bit about the season as we were diving right in? You started off the season with two really big wins over Bloomfield College and then New York Tech uh, on the uh, here at home. Can you talk about those two first games and how they might have set the tone a little bit for the season so far? Yeah, I think it was important for us to get a, a quick start this year. Um, obviously, last year we, we struggled to hit the ground running and had a great back end of the season. Mm-hmm. This year, our focus was really clear that we needed to start um, straight away, not put ourselves into a hole. And I'm pleased to kind of see the, that the team were able to do that. Um, obviously, we had a lot of returning players. We've brought in some great talent to help that, um, some youth and some also some experience. Um, and the this, this squad is looking very good. I think the, the signs, especially the New York Tech game, um, coming mm-hmm. down, coming back from that um, 3-1 down was a great sign of the character that we've got within the team, the resilience that we've, we've got within the team. Um, and I think that's really you know, putting us in, us in a good position for, for the whole season, really. 
So looking at your schedule, you have past four games, you're two one and one with two really good wins against Assumption College at home and St. A's at home. And then you follow that up with a tie at St. Mike's, which looked like it was an interesting game, and then followed that up. Uh, unfortunately, a 2-1 loss at Southern New Hampshire. Can you talk about those games a little bit and what's been like here in the past little stretch as you prepare uh, to play and take on Stonehill home on Friday? Yeah, St. Mike's is always a difficult game, uh, especially away. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got three and a half, four-hour uh, bus ride. Um, for some of the players, it's that's a new experience for them. Not able to deal with that, and it's it's a very kind of difficult position to be in. You know, you're leaving Springfield early morning. You're driving up there three and a half, four hours. You're expected to you know put your best performance on. Really, the the game, although it wasn't our best performance, we still dominated the game, still dictated possession, still created a lot of chances. I think the difficult part for that and the frustrating part for us was that we didn't take them chances and weren't ruthless with it. Mm -hmm. And I felt that as soon as we went 2-1 up, we kind of went into cruise control and really we should have just started applying more and more pressure and that should have turned into a 4-5, 5-1 game. Well, and that's where you're talking about from a coaching standpoint is you have players who are going and thriving to win and that's what their ultimate goal is, but you also have the players who they're playing not to lose instead of to win. And is that mental mindset something that you're working on with the team to battle over that playing not to lose? mindset yeah absolutely i think if you look at the the past history of the program uh we've never really been in a position with the quality that we've had before mm -hmm. and that's no disrespect to the the past teams or or the coaching staff it's just we've developed over the past you know four years got to this point with a great squad and now it's the mental shift of survival opposed to moving forward and progressing and, and that winning mentality and that winning mentality is something that is really important for us to start grasping mm -hmm. because the potential and the talent is there and now it's enough of we've got time and you know the potential it's now let's realize that potential and take ourselves forward um, but I think if you look at the Southern New Hampshire game and if you watch that I was very proud of the performance you know if we're talking about the past history of the program I remember when I first came in as a, an assistant coach and talking with uh, Coach Balbino about how we can set up the team, how we can... Mm -hmm. And at that point of, of of the program, we were trying to set up survival. How long can we keep it at nil-nil? How long can we kind of stop them playing through us? Whereas yeah. Saturday, for me, um, was an absolute shift within the program. So obviously, Southern New Hampshire in 2013 won the national tournament. If you look at the progression from then to the progression for ourselves, we, we dominate the game, we dictate the game. Um, you know, a couple of mistakes on our end, but the rest of the game we dominated and, and we went head to head with them. You know, we weren't timid in our play. We weren't shy in our play. We went head to head with them. And, and I think as a neutral <coughs> watching the game, it's a great game of soccer, first of all. But in terms of the performance, you wouldn't know which team is the past national champion. Mm -hmm. So then looking at your players from this season, uh, local Connor Hicks, obviously has been a standout for you guys ever since he really stepped on campus his freshman year. Uh, this season, he already has 14 points with five of those being goals. Can you talk about his his ability to put the ball in the back of the net, find his teammates when needed, but at the same time being able to recruit the local talent and bring them in to be factors right away? Connor Hicks is a you know he's he's a great talent. The, the reason why he's so so successful mm -hmm. is because of his mentality and his work rate. Uh, it doesn't matter in terms of what technical or, or tactical abilities he has. Mm -hmm. He has the same winning mentality, the same winning mindset every time. Uh, he's probably the hardworking, most hardworking player. You know, you've got Jake Durham and Yanis Busseta also never stop. Stefan Balan never stop. 
but Connor Hicks, his work rate, his intensity, his pressure, you know, it's it's outstanding. It's something that we're really trying to get the whole team to buy into and, and mm -hmm. that's going to push us forward as a team. Uh, you know, obviously recruiting him, I can still remember recruiting him. He obviously had the goal on, uh, was it ESPN top 10? Yep. Um, you know, he's, he's always been a, a goal scorer. I'm pleased to kind of see how he's been able to adapt to the college game. Obviously found his feet a little bit within his freshman year and he just keeps progressing and progressing and progressing. I think he's definitely one that's going to advance further this season and take it into next season and, you know, really have a strong senior year. Now, outside of that, you obviously have nine other guys who have scored multiple points this season, whether it be assists, whether it be goals, however it is. So it definitely seems like you guys have a couple of really good athletic scores or just tactical knowledge but at the same time you have lots of other players who are surrounding them to help facilitate those oppor opportunities can you talk about being able to have that sort of balanced mindset uh, with your players yeah our squad is so deep the talent is so deep um, you look at every position and we've got one or two strong players in that, in that position uh, and then that kind of really helps us to move forward and is helping to elevate us you know, we can score and we went through, myself and Coach Myers went through our previous goals before the Sunday Hampshire game and we were looking at how we were scoring them goals and looking for trends. Mm -hmm. Obviously, with the trends within our build-up play and our positional play, but if you're looking in terms of the trends of the finishes, we had goals from everywhere, which yep. was really interesting and really important. I think what's, what's going to happen is our look will change and our time will come and it will happen at the right end of the season. You know, we're always finishing stronger than we, than we start. And I think that's even going to be case th the case this year. That was kind of my message to the guys on Saturday that the performance was phenomenal. The look will change and we'll, we'll make sure that moving forward, these these results and these performances turn into victories into the back end of the season. And having the, the quality and the, the goal-scoring opportunities created in different areas makes us really difficult to defend against and to play against. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you try and shut down one aspect, there's somebody else that can come through and, and, and create an opportunity. You know, if you shut down Yanis Busetta on the right side, you've got Adrian Romero on the left side that's just as difficult. Um, and then if you shut down Conor Hicks, you, you've got Felipe, you've got Josip, you've got Jakob, uh, New Norwegian, you've got Jake, you've got all these great players that can break through the, minute, uh, the middle. And Tobias Paulson also as, as well is, is contributing and is getting better and better each practice in each game as he's getting accustomed to the um to the college life and even franz dow who's uh, struggled a little bit with injury of late but you could already see the impact that he had in the 17 minutes he played at southern new hampshire was tremendous so the depth and its quality is, is great and the fact that we can score goals in, and create goals in different um areas of the field is really important for us it's now can we convert more of the chances that we are creating mm -hmm. so switching gears a little bit you have two players who are currently playing professionally here in the united states obviously it's a huge accomplishment for you and your program. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like being able to show the recruits that you're trying to bring in, hey, we're helping get guys get to the next level, and at the same time, while they're here, being able to build them to hopefully send them off to to some major league club? Yeah, it's a massive, it's a massive accomplishment for myself and Coach Myers and the program that we've created here. If you look at you know the the likes of players we, we, that are also going to hopefully be in that position this time next year, you know there's a there's a, a big amount. Mm -hmm. So it shows what what type of talent we are able to recruit. It shows what type of talent we're able to educate and 
and develop and progress. And, you know, it's a massive lesson for, or massive kind of recruiting tool for us, for any young player that wants to be educated in the game, any player that wants to advance their game. You know, a lot of coaches might say that they're looking to try and push and help. Um, we've got a proven record over the past, you know, two, three years that we're able to do that. So it's it's really important for us, you know, myself and Coach Myers got into coaching because of the lack of opportunities and opportunities and support that we personally had. And, mm -hmm. you know, for us, a goal was always to develop and enhance and improve and, and provide these opportunities for our players. And, you know, as, as a team, you know, we're improving and we're, you know, we're striving for greatness. And I think that we, we will achieve that. And individually, we're able to provide these opportunities for the players um, so it's fantastic you know I can't I can't say how proud I am to see Alex Frank you know he's doing brilliant uh, over in Atlanta mm -hmm. uh, man of the match of the day and scored and Steven Hernandez is great talent as well um, over in Orlando so great great accomplishment and hopefully more to come from from the guys so changing past once again a little bit can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in soccer and your your journey from obviously England, over here to the United States and your college life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I started off, you know, probably four or five years old. Um, was playing all the way through, you know, went on trials and played at periods of time at Man City and Liverpool mm -hmm. and, and all these kind of programs. Um, and then kind of ultimately settled at a hotel club, which were a League Two club in, uh, called Macclesfield Town at the time. And you know, kind of advance through the under-13s all the way through to under-16s. Under-16s, you get offered either, you either get released from the club or you get offered a youth team scholarship. Um, so I got offered a two-year youth team scholarship. Mm -hmm. I played for the youth team for two years as well as the reserve team and, and appeared for the first team once. And that's kind of, at that point, I was th I believed that, you know, this was the pathway that was going to happen for me, get into the professional game, kind of advance hopefully through the leagues as a player. That didn't happen. Uh, there's a coaching shift that didn't happen, um, and ultimately, I found myself, you know, stuck between a rock and a hard place. This was May 2009, uh, okay. and then before you knew it, two months later, having taken my SATs in in Oslo and um, got on a plane in August, I was I was in North Carolina, uh, two well, a four-year school, Lee's McRae College, Division Two school. Mm -hmm. And I was played there for two years before moving to Southern Connecticut, and then my contacts led me to the the position as assistant here. So then, how did you make that transition from England to McRae, and then I guess McRae to Southern? Was that a coaching change? Was that just needed change of scenery, or a little bit of everything? Yeah. So in my freshman year at Leeds McRae, we were went to the national final for mm -hmm. Division Two. Uh, you know, we lost uh, against, Fort, against Fort Lewis in that final. Second year at Leeds McRae, we were, you know, with I think either Sweet 16 or round of 32. We were in the NCAAs anyway. Um, but my freshman year, the coach left. Sophomore year, the coach left. So I've kind of found myself in a position where I was looking for something different. Mm -hmm. So as you do at that point, you look at the rankings and you go from there. And at the time, Southern Connecticut um were you know at the top of the the division two rankings so i contacted the coach went on a visit there mm -hmm. flew me in and went on a visit uh had a good feeling for you know the players obviously built great relationships there obviously that's why coach myers is, is currently working 
working with me um, because of the relationships and then you know from there just kind of transferred I had a couple of opportunities um, one was in California one was in Alabama um, but I felt at the time I wanted to stay on the East Coast mm -hmm. I felt California was too far for my family so yep. that's kind of how I stayed in this area and you know moved closer um, I guess somewhat to to England <laughs> Yeah, and talking with some of the other international students, it's it's a family decision to really come over to the States to pursue that education, to pursue your soccer career, um, or I guess any any career in general. But how was that transition for you and your family, and how did your was your family supportive through it all, or was it something that you had to to really discuss at length about uh, with your parents? Yeah, they were very supportive. Um, you know, my mother has always been very supportive of me. She's my biggest fan. Um, I've always had kind of great support from my sister, my nan and granddad and my aunt as well. They're kind of the backbone of my family. Uh, and they've got more belief in me than I have myself at times, um, you know, which is, is very helpful. Um, but yeah, in back in May 2009, I was at my lowest point. I was at the kind of the, the breaking point. I didn't, if it was probably down to myself on my own, I'd probably be moping around still doing nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, they pushed me forward. I had the opportunity. I went to some exit trials, which all the ex-apprentices go to. Um, and the opportunity came to Leeds McRae. And, you know, they pushed me forward. They said, you know, this is a great opportunity. I never really looked into getting my degree because I always mm -hmm. thought that I was going to get my, uh, my professional contract naively. So I never looked into getting my degree. They pushed me forward, say that you've got to get your education, and you know, made everything possible happen to to get me to this point. Um, you know, they've always been always been my biggest support, and you know, this is kind of why I'm where I am today because of them. So making the switch from playing to coaching was that a tough one for you to make, especially considering that you went from playing against, I guess, playing with some players at Southern Connecticut actually coaching here at AIC how were those relationships I guess when you went back and saw them but at the same time how were you able to make that jump from the playing world to the coaching world it's it's hard it's still hard you, you have itchy feet because you want to get on the field and mm -hmm. and make an impact uh, but you have to being involved in the game for me is the most important thing I'd have too much love for the game that any career outside of, of soccer I think would be painful um, more painful than me than not playing so it was it was about kind of staying involved in the game making sure that I was actively involved in the game the relationships didn't really affect um, it wasn't that difficult coaching against Southern Connecticut mm -hmm. it was almost nice especially because <laughs> you know the ins and outs of them um, yep. so it was it was a, you were able to kind of try and get one up on them um, but making the shift to coaching I think was also relatively quite easy in terms of the the support I got. Coach Balbino was, has, has always been supportive and still to this day is very supportive of me. Um, I can't thank him enough for kind of the opportunities he gave me. And he allowed me to, to take a lot of the sessions um, as, a, as a young coach, which I think got the support of the players at the time a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, allowing them to see, you know, what I was talking about, kind of, relating in terms of tactics and I think that transition was was easy because of coach Balbino and the way he allowed me to advance and progress uh, so 
But in terms of would I still like to be playing and something I'd like to try and remind my guys is don't take it for granted. Yep. You know, you, you'd always, if I could be playing until I'm, you know, 65, I would love to do that. Um, but unfortunately, I had to retire my boots to, to concentrate on, on coaching as much as possible and to advance in my coaching licenses and, you know, focus on every aspect of the development in this career. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap up here with this last uh, major question, um, that question is the same question I ask every guest, and that's what moment in life has influenced you the most? I would say it would probably be May, uh, walking into the the head first team coach's uh, office. Mm. I can still remember to this day, you know, it's 10 years ago now, but walking down that, that hallway, walking into his office, I was the last player out of 10 players to go into his office. I just played for the first scene the night before mm -hmm. and sits me down and says, uh, we're not going to offer you a contract. Uh, I like how you play, but I've seen the style of play that you're trying to play uh, at this level, mm -hmm. not be able to get realized and get anywhere. So for me, that was a big, you know, it was kind of a massive kick in the teeth that you're good enough to play, but at this level, it's not going to work out. And that's kind of always since been my inspiration to kind of provide opportunities for players to put them on a platform where we're playing good soccer, passing possession, which the team at the time where I was playing weren't. Mm -hmm. um, so that my belief is to possession-based soccer, get the ball on the ground. I think you'll see in terms of the, the way we recruit players that they have them fundamental characteristics in their play. And almost proving to myself that you're good enough in this game to be able to to get something out of it mm -hmm. i think my freshman year i had that that stance you know it was me against the world really um that freshman year i did well in the conference got freshman of the year we went to the national tournament uh, as a team and kind of progressed further and further since then and and you know i think that's that was an important realization for me that if you don't back yourself as a as a person or as, as a player or as a coach, then you're giving yourself a massive injustice because nobody else is going to back you. You know, you've got to prove your worth yourself before you can expect other people to 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 kind of support you that way. And I think my younger ages, you know, even in the youth team, I gave too much doubt to myself and I wasn't confident in my own abilities that I al allowed other people to doubt me as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that was the, my biggest lesson. Um, that was probably my biggest lesson overall. And you no, know, I'm not looking back at it in terms of uh, what's the what's spiteful way. Yep. I think it's more looking back at it in terms of an, an education and and an understanding that everything happens for a reason. I believe I'm here today for a reason. I think you know. Two of the reasons were Stevie and, and Alex being able to get to there and helping support them. And the the importance of the position and kind of developing the players and guiding them, you know, professionally and personally has, has really kind of connected with me. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. So that's kind of the biggest situation that's that's happened to me and the probably the, the most important one. Yeah, and we... One of the most important things, at least that I believe, is that we're, whenever you're given a setback, you're able to really rally behind that and keep going and pushing through to really reach what's your goal. And 
what you want to do in life is and how are you able to share your message and what's happened to you in the past and really relate that to your team in moments of, of doubt? It's, uh, it's interesting because we've, we've recently had a couple of conversations about that and I think my biggest message to them is that the difference between myself as a player and myself as a coach is that I'm confident in my abilities as a coach. Mm-hmm. I was a good player, but my confidence in my abilities as a coach. And it's important because we've got so much talent in the squad. And, and, you know, you look at some of the results and that fine line of margin of winning the game, that winning mentality, it comes from confidence. It comes from kind of that attitude that we are winners. Mm-hmm. And as soon as these guys figure that out, as soon as they the penny drops with them, um, which I think you actually saw on Saturday in terms of the performance at least, then there's no stopping these guys. And the, kind of the message that don't take anything for granted, kind of leave everything as, as you as you can on the field because you never know when that opportunity is going to be taken away from you. Like I didn't know it back in 2009. It's just something that it's the fear of failure to fear of success. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. So, you know, I used to step on the field as a player and I spoke to the guys about this. I used to step on the field as a, as a player and hid away from the ball, used to shy away from getting on it because that fear that if I mess up, what happens? Yeah. Whereas that was my biggest issue because I was actually failing because I was, wasn't was allowing myself to show who I was as a player. Yep. So that's kind of what I tell the boys. I'd rather you be brave and get on the on the ball and and try and do things the right way than to shy away and, and, and have that fear of failing. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Coach, this week. We appreciate your time, and good luck this, set, or this Friday at 3.30 against Stonehill here at home. Thanks. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap on this edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Poole. Join us this weekend as on Friday, Ben Tucker takes on Stonehill College at 3.30 p.m. On Saturday, the 19th, football will kick off against Assumption College at 11 a.m., followed by women's soccer versus Bentley at 3.45. On Sunday, the 20th, men's rugby will take on Stony Brook University at 1 o'clock as they celebrate Senior Day. A friendly reminder that our hockey team and baseball team are participating in Real Men Wear Pink in the month of October. Both teams are trying to raise $2,500 to go towards breast cancer research. Be sure to visit AITOJackets.com for more information.